joining me. We got a two-man studio this week for our week seven recap and Auburn preview. Our good buddy Benjamin Woodhouse is not here with us, but Nicholas Carr is here. Nick, good evening. How are you? What up? It's good to be here. It is. Uh, look, I feel better. Our hangover edition, we broke down the game. It's never fun to lose, but I think there were a lot of positives that Ole Miss could have taken from that ugly game, turnover-wise. And I think that uh, you can turn the page to Auburn. We're going to get into that in the second half of the show as part of our preview. But first, we are going to recap Week 7, the week that was in the Southeastern Conference. We'll go ahead and start with a couple with a couple of the early games. First off, the Kentucky Wildcats beat up on the Tennessee Vols. Nick, that that win on the road against Kentucky is looking better and better right now for Ole Miss. Yeah, what uh, what's Kentucky doing here? I mean, they're they're two and two. They played uh, they played Auburn really close to start the season. It was a sixteen point game. But it was closer than that. I mean, the final score kind of flattered Auburn. They came out against us, put up a lot of points. I mean, really, one play changes that that game. Obviously, you know, going to overtime, and then you know, I mean, the defense shut down consecutive, you know, SEC teams. I mean, give up <laughs> nine points in two games against yeah. MSU and Tennessee. And I don't really care who you're playing. That that's good. Oh yeah, I, I saw a. Um like a drive chart for the Wildcats, I guess, since the Ole Miss game. And, I mean, it is just riddled with punt, 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 turnover on downs, interception, interception, touchdown, punt, 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 punt. It's like, you know, Dan Rubenstein doing his uh, <laughs> his uh, solid, solid verbal reading of a drive chart. But, uh, yeah, the Wildcats have been great on defense. Mark Stoops and company, uh, two and two right now, but, um, playing extremely well defensively. Terry Wilson didn't do much through the air, only 101 yards. Um, Eric Gray ran for 128 for Tennessee, but I mean, they just cannot seem to figure anything out. Jared Guarantano continues to be absolutely abysmal. He was 14 for 21 passing for just 88 yards, two picks. His QBR, do you know what his QBR was, Nick? Um, 18. It was 4.4. Four. Out of, uh, a, out of a 1 to 100 scale. <laughs> uh. That is not good. <laughs> Uh, I'm no QBR mathematician, but I know that that is not good. Um, he only averaged 4.2 yards of completion, also not good. Uh, so, yeah, that's not going to get it done. Um, Chris Rodriguez for Kentucky. How do you, how do you even average 4.2 yards? Like, how do you – how are passes on average only going four yards? So the receiving totals for Tennessee, Brandon Johnson had the most for 30. He had four receptions for 37 yards. Malachi Weidman, uh, Ole Miss fans might remember him. He chose to go to uh, Tennessee instead of playing for Lane Kiffin. He had one catch for 24 yards. Eric Gray and Ty Chandler each had uh, a couple catches out of the backfield. Uh, but, yeah, that's pretty much it. Ramel Keaton had two catches for six yards. So, I mean, that's almost trying to do – to do nothing like I, I don't know I, it's just baffles baffles me uh like i was gonna say chris rodriguez 13 carries 73 yards and a touchdown average 5.6 yards a carry <clears throat> that was i mean <laughs> the numbers are not jumping off the page here nick um Kentucky had 294 total yards. My God, I'm so glad I did not really watch this game. 294 total yards to Tennessee's 287. Um, oh, my God, just an absolute slog. Kentucky had it for thir- almost 34 minutes to Tennessee's 26. Um, just bad. Tennessee turned it over four times. Uh, that's not going to get it done. In a miraculous um, feat here, Tennessee scored seven points, but managed to have as many first downs as UK. How does that happen? I, I don't know. I, mean, I kept up with this game a little bit. I didn't. I didn't get to see a ton of it. So much to say that I looked at the stats at halftime, and it, it looked like well, this, this. I think it was a fourteen point game at that point. I thought, well, Tennessee might come back in this game. I mean, they're they're kind of outplaying Kentucky 
mm-hmm. but for I think Tennessee had three first half turnovers. And then in the second half, they did absolutely nothing. I mean, the, the offense somehow got worse. I don't know if it's a function of – that's 10 turnovers in, in two games for Kentucky. I don't know if it's a function of Kentucky's defense just turning the ball over well or if it's just who they are. I mean, that, that's just Jerry Garantano. I mean, that's who he is at this point, 14-21, 88 yards, two interceptions. That's like kind of a run-of-the-mill stat line for him. And, and my follow-up would be – is, should Kentucky be ranked? I mean, they're only two and two, but you know they could be the best. They're two one two play team away from being. I mean, yeah, that's a good. That's a very very good defense. I don't know how many games you're going to win in the SEC with sub 300 yards though, and they they've done that twice in a row. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so here's the drive chart. This is for both teams for the entire game. Punt, punt, fumble, fumble, punt. Interception, touchdown, interception, touchdown, interception, field goal, touchdown, punt, punt, end of half. Punt, touchdown, punt, field goal, punt, touchdown, downs, end of game. <laughs> there were only six possessions in the second half. <laughs> yeah, just disgusting. Um, oh. Yeah, so Kentucky wins that one, 34-7, running away. Tennessee's got a bit of a gut check here uh, going into week eight. I, there are a lot of rumblings about a quarterback controversy. Uh, you who, hate to who see Who they play in week eight? Uh, they will be playing Alabama. Uh, and Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy Pruitt made the, uh, the chestnut checkers decision to uh, fire his D-line coach because Surely that's the issue when you can't score. Uh, it's the D line coach. Um, so That'll our, get him going. Yeah. Uh, t- tell me this: when's when's uh, Tennessee's next win? They face Alabama at home. Nope. They go to Arkansas, uh, Ooh, which is not, not exactly a recipe for not right now. teams that are struggling on offense. No. Mm-mm. And then they host uh, Texas A&M. Mm. So and, and then and then they go to yeah. Auburn. I'm not sure. That'd be another slog. <laughs> I'm not sure there's a They're lot staring of 0-3 in the, in the face, potentially. In Florida. Oh, I think so. And then, like, like I said, they got Florida at the end of the season. I don't think there's any way this Tennessee team can score with Florida, especially a Florida team that probably is playing for their for their life mm-hmm. um, in terms of getting to, to the SEC yeah. title game. I mean, I, you know, depending on what they do with George, obviously, but that's – I guess I guess they beat Vandy. I mean, That's if they it. show up, assume, assuming they, they don't play. have COVID. I, yeah, but, but I'm just <laughs> looking at the schedule. I mean, the, there's a lot of losses on there. A lot of a lot of teams with defenses that I don't think they're going to be – or offenses I don't think they're going to be able to keep up with. Right. Yeah. Um, moving on to another snoozer on Saturday, the Texas A&M Aggies that are ranked 11th in the country, which just seems so stupid. Um they defeat the Mississippi State Bulldogs on the road, 28-14. Uh, just an absolute embarrassing win for the Aggies to, I mean, just the absolute epitome of playing with your food there. Um, they were up 28 nothing, I guess 28-7 going into the fourth and just kind of laid there. Uh, Kellen Mond, just an absolute just... I don't even know of an adjective or any word. He was 13 for 23 for 139. Just a complete fart of a game. Um, Isaiah Spiller ran for 114. Um, I mean, just a just two games that were just boring as hell. Uh, Mississippi State only managed 217 yards of total uh, offense. They only had 15 first downs, and they turned it over twice. Um Will Rogers was pretty effective, uh, or efficient, I should say, 15 of 18, but just for 120 and a touchdown. Um, I don't think, looking at the box score here, yep, uh, Colin Hill did not play. And then I saw today that Mike Leach said Colin Hill is still not available due to personal reasons. I think the personal reasons are he doesn't want to play for your dumbass. Um yeah, so Will Rogers and KJ Costello split time. Uh, as uh, combined, they were 30 for 40 for 219. One touchdown, one pick. Again, only averaging five and a half a completion, which is. Yeah. Ugh. Looking at Costello's QBR, 14.4. Nah, and then, great. you know, scroll. No, no. And then, and then going down to their rushing stats, 
Marks, who I believe was the leading rusher coming in, Marks and Johnson combined for 10 carries, 32 yards. And, you know, the rest of them were by quarterbacks. So, I, I, I just, you know, they beat LSU at the beginning of the season, and maybe that works. I do not think that you will win many games in this conference. And this is not like a big boy SEC football. This is just a big boy football thing. I don't think you'd win a ton out in the Pac-12 unless it was a shootout. I don't think you're going to win many games with 32 yards on the ground. I just and they actually had negative two when you factor in sacks, but I don't I don't think it's possible. Not in this conference. I think the the defensive lines are too good, and they're gonna they're gonna get after the quarterback if you're only rushing for thirty yards a game. Yeah, that's not gonna get it done. I don't. Uh, what's Mississippi State's schedule look like? I mean, let's let's run through their win loss potential. I mean, I think that they've got uh, a lot of losses coming up here soon. I mean, all right, they they travel to Alabama on Halloween. Um, I don't think that things are going to get spooky uh, in Tuscaloosa <laughs> for them. <laughs> they give Vanderbilt. Okay, sure. They host Auburn. Uh, they travel to Georgia the next week. And, I mean, you talk about not not gaining enough yards on the ground to, to score on teams. I mean, I mean they're, they're, they're going to Georgia. I, they're not going to be able to score on Georgia. And then they, they, they travel to Oxford, and then they end up with Missouri. So kind of a – uh, an easier end if you count us to Missouri in there, but they still got two of the top five teams in the country remaining on their schedule, and they're one and three. Oh, yeah, not 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 going to be good. Um, last game that we're going to discuss before we go into the second segment of the show into our preview: uh, Georgia Alabama, number two versus number three. Um, I watched a good bit of this one, not all of it, but I watched enough to see that Georgia really screwed up um i believe this one was 24 20 georgia going into the half i think they were giving alabama all they wanted on the ground with the combination of james cook samir white um running the football and uh for whatever reason they decided uh kendall milton also pitched in a ton uh, running the ball. Um, James Cook was more of a factor out of the backfield uh, catching the football, but yeah, they, they went away from running the football and tried to throw it on the shoulders of Stetson Bennett. We said that he would eventually look like a transfer from Jones County. He did. He was 18 of 40 for 269, two touchdowns, three picks. Mac Jones, surgical as always, 24 of 32, 417, and four touchdowns. He had the one pick, but uh, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, John Mechie, they had uh, they had some fun. Um, eventually ran away with it. I did the just the overarching theme of this one is just Georgia. Why did you stop running the football? Yeah, well, when they when they quit running the ball, that was sort of it. I've never, I mean, Alabama just crockpots teams, I and mean, that's what they do. They just mm-hmm. slow cook them, and you know, if if you you blink, you miss, and all of a sudden it's a, a four point Georgia went lead, and it's a you know a seventeen point Alabama lead. That's what they did here. I feel like in the second half, have you seen Jalen Waddle's season stats, Zach? I have not hit him. Hit him. Hit me with him. All right, he is 25 receptions, so you know not averaging a ton of receptions through four games, just a hair over six, for 557 yards and a 22.3 yard average per reception and four touchdowns. So against Ole Miss, he had six for 120. Against Georgia, six for 162. Against Texas A&M, five for 142. I mean, this guy is a a quick hitter. I mean, these are big numbers. His long against uh, Texas A&M was 87, against us is 45, against Georgia was 90. I mean, he has been so efficient. Anytime he – I don't know if it's because he's just that fast or, or Mac Jones is, is that good getting the ball to him in space, but whenever he gets the ball, he's, he's pretty much going to the house. Mm. Weird game because I thought early on Georgia was absolutely – going to make this one interesting and then yeah i just don't understand i mean zamir white was uh i guess he averaged 5.7 a carry kendall milton averaged 7.3 a carry kenny mcintosh only had two carries but averaging six a pop um yeah i i I don't know why they went away from it 
they were up at the half, and then I, I don't know. I guess they just panicked. But Alabama forty-one twenty-four improves to four and zero. Kind of doing what everybody thought they would, just buying their time, moseying on about through the schedule, waiting for that eventual date with Clemson uh, in the college football playoff. All right, we're gonna take a break real quick before we go. Okay, real quick before we go to the break. Do you think Zamir White is is like a feature back on a top top team? I just feel like looking back through the guys that they've had in in the last few years, Sonny Michelle, Nick Chubb. I mean, I don't know that, and maybe I, I haven't kept up with what he was ranked. Maybe he was the number one back in his class. But I mean, looking at his numbers, you know, he had you know fifty seven yards against Alabama, fifty yards against Tennessee, eighty eight against Auburn, seventy one against Arkansas. I don't know that he is the guy that you can ride to an SEC East title, especially when Bennett, Sesson Bennett's the quarterback option. I looked it up in the 2018 class. He was a five-star. He was the 10th overall player in the, in the country. Of course he was. Uh, number one running back in the country. Number one in the state of North Carolina. I don't know. I mean, he, he's big. I mean, he's 6'1", 215, 220, so he's not small. So it's not like they're having to go running back by committee because he can't handle the bulk of the carries. I... I don't know. I don't really know what Georgia is on offense. Like they kind of don't. They're kind of suffering from like an identity crisis where Stetson mm-hmm. Bennett had some moments of of clarity throwing the football through the first couple weeks, and I think people just kind of. I don't want to say mistaken, um, mistakenly thought that he would be like a big time, you know, thrower of the football, and they'd be able to spread it all around the yard. I think Georgia. They need to stick with what uh, it's a stick with what got you there, and what got you there by what got you there in the Kirby Smart era. It's been being physical and running the football. Um, we know what kind of defense they have. I feel like they need to shorten games and play a little keep away, especially in that game, especially with Alabama. I mean, you got to keep mm-hmm. Mac Jones on the sideline. You got to keep yeah. Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith over there on the bench. I mean, you can't try to throw the ball around you know throw it to the throw it to Alabama or go three and out or you know just put yourself behind the chains I think early on they were really taking it to Alabama because as we know Nick Alabama's defense is not what it normally is now they did rise to the occasion in this game I kind of felt like they would it was kind of like a perfect storm of Sabian was going to use that Ole Miss game as a way to motivate them for this one but yeah just I don't know. I think maybe Georgia out outthought themselves a little bit on this one. I know they lost both left tackle and right tackle off last year's team. Both went, I think, in the top 25 picks of the draft. But I wonder if there was, I don't know, like any coaching or anything that might have changed that would help would have hurt their offensive line uh, year over year. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, man, that's a – that's a hell of a a hell of a uh, way to go into our break here. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we might we'll take that one offline and discuss to see if we can figure out what might have caused Georgia's O line to uh, suffer a little bit. But on the other side, we're gonna talk Auburn, South Carolina, and then roll right into our preview of uh, the Auburn Tigers taking on the Ole Miss Rebels at eleven o'clock on Saturday. So hang tight. Quick word from the sponsors, then we'll be back for an Auburn preview. It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments, part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Hours in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. 
And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, Go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe an anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something the place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the rooftop bar, which is super awesome. has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station bourbon, a very small batch High Rye Bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high-rye bourbons. So you could do that, or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that Healing Station afterwards. So, like we always say, Ask your, pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And, as always, OD encourages you to share SIP responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. And we are back here on Podcast Rebellion Second line studio, Nicholas Carr here with me. All right. This game played out exactly like we thought it would. For me, the score was flipped. I thought that South Carolina would hang in there, play Auburn super tight, play them. Just, I thought it'd be a complete rock fight back and forth. And I'll be damned if the Gamecocks didn't show up and take it to the Auburn Tigers and Bo Nix. Um, Bo Nix threw the ball 47 times in this game. 272, one touchdown, three picks. Um, it was a, I mean, a hell of a day for J.C. Horn. He had two picks. Uh, Jalen Dickerson had the other. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just a complete – I mean, this was a methodical Will Muschamp type game. Colin Hill only threw for 144. Um, they ran the ball. Kevin Harris, 25 carries, 83 yards, two touchdowns. Shy Smith, we mentioned him last week on the show. He came through, eight catches, 76 yards, and a touchdown. Um, they just kind of outlasted and just kind of out physical to Auburn, which is kind of weird to say. Recent years, Gus Malzahn has his offense has always been the more physical bunch that runs the football with that zone read with that 
that spread inside zone look. And, uh, man, Auburn kind of got a little taste of their own medicine and got punched in the mouth. South Carolina now 2-2 two and two all of a sudden. And the Auburn Tigers are reeling heading into Oxford this weekend. Yeah. Now, Auburn's schedule is a little lighter in the, in the middle there with LSU and MSU before Tennessee coming up. And then they finish with Alabama and Texas A&M. So, you know, so, some chances it wins. But, I, I mean, I look at this Auburn team, and this feels like the most thoroughly average Auburn team Malzahn might have had in in his time there. I mean, I, they're not great offensively. I mean, I, I don't think Bo Nix has improved at all from last year. If anything, he's probably taken a step back. And I, I don't think – and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that Bo Nix is going to be the savior of Auburn football like they thought he was going to be. I think he, he kind of is who he is at this point. I mean, he's already a, a sophomore in his, you know, what, 12th or 11th or 12th start. I mean, he's he's played a lot of downs there is my point. Um, I don't – Bigsby's a good running back. I don't know that he's the, the type of back they've had. And then I don't think that there's a ton of talent out there wide receiver, you know, compared to what they've had in the past. And then I know they're not as talented on defense. I mean, I just think that if this is a team that's going to get Miles on fire, I feel like that – Now's the time. I mean, like I said, they've got two probable losses at the end of the schedule. And, I mean, you've seen what they've done in the last two weeks. They deserve to lose to Arkansas. Uh, they got whipped up and down the field, especially there in the second half or, you know, by South Carolina. I don't I don't see any reason to think that Malzahn can squeak out any better than 6-4. and four. And I, I think that his time is probably up. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean – I've heard rumblings. I know that. I mean, it, the folks there I'm are going to be upset. Well, I was going to say the folks are going to be upset there because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick. They're not beating Alabama and they're not going to beat Georgia, and that's all they care about. And as it stands right now, I'd say that both of those opponents are going to beat them pretty handedly. So, I don't know if the end is near for Gus Malzahn, but. I don't. I just don't know. I mean, what are we looking at their schedule? What do we think they can end up at realistically? Well, you know, they've already, so they've already lost to Georgia, but they do end in, here in the middle. They've got uh, us and MSU and LSU, but then they end the season, uh, you know, at Alabama and Texas A and M. Let's assume that those two are losses. Now you've got four losses, and you can't trip up in any other game. Um, here in the middle of the schedule, I, I think they've got an, another East opponent. I'm pulling it back up, but um, but they've got Tennessee as well that they host. So I mean that's kind of a toss up game, but I think six and four is probably a, an absolute best case scenario when you factor in that you're you're guaranteed to lose to Alabama. I, I'm just they're not going on the road and beating Alabama, not with how, how well Mac Jones is playing. And then the problem, I mean, I think it's probably a five and five you know slate. And I don't think that you can look and say this Auburn team is getting materially better. I mean, I feel like they've gotten worse each of the last three years. Nix is not not the guy. The defense has fallen off a little bit. And if you're Auburn, you know, and it, it's going to eat at you to watch Alabama go ten and zero or you know whatever and win the SEC again. I just don't think there's any way they can afford not to make a move unless they want to continue falling further behind. And, you know, because at some point recruiting is going to be hurt. Because they're doing the whole will they won't they thing with Malzahn. Yeah, and that's I just don't know. I mean, I mean, quick here, put you on the spot, but let's say they get rid of Malzahn, who do they hire? Like, who would you go after? Um, I mean, that's a great question. I I don't even know who's. You know, I, I guess your first call is probably to Billy Napier. Um, at, at University of Louisiana. I mean, can you think of another high, higher profile guy that's available out there that, that kind of fits into the Southern mold? I mean, yeah, like Matt Campbell's a good coach, but, you know, I don't think he's coming back down south. Yeah, I don't think so. I think his window of leaving Iowa State is probably closed. Um, and then you also got to factor in, you know, Napier has been rumored to wait on that South Carolina job, but is that job now not open anymore potentially opening up because of the Gamecocks beating Auburn I don't know I mean I don't think it's smart to make any sweeping you know decisions right now in a 2020 COVID abbreviated season but I think that 
with Napier betting on himself and potentially missing his window for the SEC when Mississippi State was open, I think he's probably going to be a little more open to listen to other SEC jobs. Now, I'm of the opinion that thinking that Auburn, not saying it's a bad job, but it is a tough job because you're in the same state as Alabama. And, I mean, hell, at this point, I don't think Nick Saban really looks like he's going anywhere. But, you know, even if he does retire at some point, I don't think they're going to fall off completely. So you're having to battle that in-state. And you've got your, you know, other rival, Georgia, who is just chugging along. So that's a that's a weird spot. It's a weird job. And I don't, I don't, I don't know who they'd go get. I, I truly don't know any other name i mean people are wanting to try to make Hugh freeze happen i still don't think Hugh freeze can get a job in the sec not as long as greg sankey's in the office in birmingham yeah i still don't think i mean you know calling me skeptical but i don't think that beating up on syracuse is (laughs) is proof positive that you can win again after everything that's happened i mean it's a bad syracuse team what what about a guy that's had some trouble. He's at a power five school. Uh, there's been some talk of this team being back. We're not sure if they actually are or not after these last couple of weeks. What if Texas gets rid of Tom Herman? Would Auburn, would Auburn go that route? Uh, I mean, uh, what do you, what do you, I mean, how does that look to go get the guy that failed somewhere else? I mean, I don't know if that's, that's eh, eh, risky. Is it not? Yeah. He's a big name though. He is. I, 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 I think you're right. I just don't – and now Auburn might keep Malzahn, but I think at some point, you know, what is it, you know, fish or cut bait with him. I mean, he's just not getting it done. That offense is not getting any more dynamic. The defense, I mean, yeah, but you, but you remember the last few years, you knew, you knew it, even if Auburn's offense wasn't quite, you know, good enough to, to slice you up, that you knew their defense was tough. They were tough along the defensive line, and you were in a dogfight. And, and if you didn't have a great offensive line, it was a bad matchup. That's why it's been a bad matchup a couple times for Ole Miss because our offensive line just wasn't quite ready for it. It's not that same Auburn team. I, I don't think that it's the it's the team that with you know a ton of talent up front on defense. I don't I don't think there's any Derek Browns out there. Uh, I just I don't know. And, and we play on this weekend, so maybe I'll get shown up. But I mean, Tank Bigsby's been good, uh, but their their next best runner is Bo Nix, and I don't really I'm not in love with him. Anthony Schwartz, Seth Williams, good wide receivers. I don't think that they're anything special. This this Auburn team, I mean, they're not beating Alabama this year. There's no there's no doubt. I like Tank Bigsby a lot. He has been phenomenal in his freshman season, and Seth Williams, when healthy, is a problem to deal with, but. I don't know. As we transition into our preview for this weekend's game, it's two teams coming off losses that I would honestly say, is it too obtuse to say that Auburn's reeling a little more than, than Ole Miss? Um, like, as we talked about on Sunday, Ole Miss turned the ball over a ton. Matt Corral had his worst game of the season, but the defense played well, and... Even though you lose, and even though Matt Corral played so poorly, you still had a legitimate shot to win the game on the road. And I just think that Auburn is a bit of a soul-searching spot here where this is kind of a make-or-break game for them. Whereas Ole Miss, mm-hmm. year one, of year one, year zero, whatever you want to call it, Lane Kiffin, new staff, you're kind of playing with house money here. It's an 11 a.m. kick – Typically, 11 a.m. kicks for away teams are typically bad. They're you know kind of a snoozer territory. I, I tend to lean Ole Miss not being as as on watch your ass alert as Auburn is, um, and this is a lot of pressure being put on Kevin Steele in that defense with when Matt Corral and the rest of the guys on that offense. Are churning like it is a absolute problem. 
Well, you, I mean, you tell me who's reeling more. The Auburn's beating Kentucky 29-13 in a game that was closer than the scoreline says. Uh, they lost to Georgia 27-6 to in a game that wasn't as close as the scoreline said. Uh, they beat Arkansas 30-28 to in a game they probably should have lost but for a, a you know, a mistimed um, – whistle there late when you know probably should have been Arkansas ball and then they they lost 30 to 22 against against South Carolina and it was on the road at South Carolina but I mean they've put up you know 29 6 30 and 22 points on the season so I mean I think that Auburn you know you mentioned Kevin Steele and and his good good defensive coordinator but I think Auburn's got to understand none of those point totals I think are going to win on Saturday in Oxford. I, I do not think that this is going to be a game played in the 20s or 30s. If Auburn is not at, at, at 34 or 37 points, I don't think there's any way they're winning. And there's nothing I've seen from that offense that says they can. Now, Tate Bigsby might run for, you know, 250 yards, you know, kind of like uh, Alabama did against Ole Miss. But, you know, that the offense is going to have to be there. You talk about reeling. I mean, it's a team that, you know, had bigger aspirations than going 6-4. and four at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, if, if Ole Miss comes out early, gets up seven or gets up 14-7 or 17-7 even, I think it's a team we could see lay down. I mean, I really do. I, I, I don't I don't think they're supremely talented like they've been in the past. And I think Ole Miss's offense, I, I've seen, I saw three good games from Ole Miss's offense and one bad game. So that tells me that the offense is probably better than it was last weekend. Maybe not as good as it was, you know, in Lexington, or maybe not as good as it was against Alabama, but it's certainly good enough, I think, to get to the 30s. And I, I definitely don't think that that's, you know, something. It, what was the line? Was it, it started off at seven, which I thought was was crazy high. I mean, I, I don't think that I don't think Auburn can beat this almost team by seven points. I think it's down to four, maybe a little more in line. But you know, I'm gonna need to see them score some points before I can believe it. Well, at one point, I think it started out at like nine and a half, and then Oof. quickly, quickly took a dive. Um, right now, I'm seeing three and a half. Um, now, That's probably not a number I would touch. Yeah, and I mean, this is such a, such a, uh, I mean, such a critical spot for both programs, and. I mean, this is a. Oh, I mean, I don't really know what to think. I mean, Corral is obviously the better quarterback, and then you look at the rushing comparison. I mean, we talked about how good Bigsby's been, but I mean, Ely's run for more yards this season and more touchdowns. Uh, and then, you know, looking, and I'm just talking about offense right now. I mean, Elijah Moore is arguably the best wide receiver in the conference, not named Devonte Smith, Jalen Waddle. And then, even though he was taken out of the game last week, Kenny Yaboa is someone that can really give you fits. I, I'm i still going to have to sleep on this one and think about it for a little bit, but we talk about it all the time, Nick. Auburn always seems to lay an egg at some point under Malzahn. They always have that one game where they just play awful and just completely, like you said, they'll they'll lay down. And they will just completely collapse. And I just, Bo Nix is struggling. Is he going to be able to to rebound after that tough loss on the road? I mean, South Carolina, I think, hasn't beaten Auburn since like the 30s. Um, now that it's a, you know, it's a matchup that doesn't happen very often. We got it because of COVID and the cross scheduling, but uh, cross divisional scheduling, I should say, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is an Auburn team that barely got out, you know, at home against Arkansas, probably could have lost that game if the officials make the right call there. Um, so outside of that, I mean, got whipped by Georgia and then they get beat down in a physical game against the Gamecocks. This really is a super interesting game here. I'm really, really interested to see as the week unfolds how people start to feel about this one come Thursday and come Friday. Yeah. And I'm interested to see, you know, what, what Levy and, and Kiffin can do. Uh, 
when we scored the two touchdowns there and in, in the, the start of the fourth quarter, I thought, okay, well, these guys have figured out the problem. They've corrected it. They didn't, I mean, we didn't really start quick out of the half, but we were better to start the third quarter. And then we were definitely a lot better to start the fourth quarter. And I thought they figured out what was going wrong. They've corrected it. Here we are. We're going to go out and win this game, you know, 28, 26. And that, that'll be that. I mean, we'll, we'll win the game. We'll snuck by a decent, you know, Arkansas defense. And then he threw the, you know, that, that interception right down there near the, you know, his own end zone that was ran back for a, a pick six by Grant Morgan. So, maybe they didn't figure something out. Maybe it was just a couple better drives. I mean, I'd be interested to see what Kiffin and Levy can draw up when they kind of got their teeth kicked in last week at Arkansas. I mean, I think it's fair to say they were definitely humbled by what they saw up there. It was kind of their first game against, you know, a quality SEC defensive coordinator. Um, I mean, I, I don't think they saw a great defensive coordinator against Alabama. Um, you know, the jury, I guess, is kind of out on what they saw in Kentucky. But I think that, that Barry Odom kind of showed them, hey, this is this is what we do when, when given a week to prepare. And so I'm interested to see how Kiffin and Levy respond. I mean, I think that, that you know, Steele's a good defensive coordinator. There is a lot of talent still in that Auburn defense. And to show, you know, can Corral come back? And, you know, he didn't have to throw for 400 yards like he did against Alabama. But, you know, can he come back and have a better game? Can he change something up? Is it, is it a read issue? Is it, you know, w- what they're doing wrong against Arkansas? Can they change that? I think that's really interesting this week. I mean, couldn't I could not be more excited to watch it, you know, even if it is 11 o'clock. I think that a big thing to watch this week, because I'll say this, after after watching the game, going back and kind of watching a few highlights, I haven't done a full rewatch yet. I think... The game against Arkansas was kind of a mix of Barry Odom had a fantastic plan. I think Arkansas's defense played out of their mind. They had a couple guys make some really good plays. I thought two of the interceptions that Corral threw were just really good defensive plays. Um, one was just like absolute film work, knew what was coming, jumped the route, and then the other was on that out route to Drummond. The guy just made a great play. I didn't think the ball was that poorly thrown. I thought it was uh, just a really good play by the DB. Um, I also thought that Corral kind of went away with what he had done so well through the first three weeks where, you know, it was evident against Florida and it was definitely evident against Alabama. I don't remember if he did it a ton against Kentucky. I'd have to go back and look at the stats and see if he if he ran the ball a lot. What he did so well against Florida and Bama when nothing was there or if his progressions he would go through them if there was nothing or if the if the pass rush kind of pushed him out of the pocket a little or made him climb it a little he would just kind of took what the defense gave him he would get upfield he'd get five or six slide down i thought he got away from that on saturday against the razorbacks i thought that he was pressing a little bit now it didn't help that you drive down methodically the first time you have the football after a three and out, mind you, that the defense got, um, we might as well just mention it again, Nick, how well the defense played and, and hats off to them. But you go down there and you drive down, you score and go up 7 nothing after that drive. I think it really sends a message. After that, you don't score. Arkansas goes up. You throw a pick. I think it was 14 nothing, and then it was 20 nothing. When it's at that point, I feel like the offense kind of, I, I don't want to say panicked. I don't want to use that word. I think it just got out of what they've been doing so well. And I thought that they were really pressing. And I thought Corral was trying to do a little too much. He was trying to throw, you know, a 14-point touchdown a couple times. Um, and then, yeah, just taking Kenny Abo out of the game really threw Ole Miss for, for a loop there. But I'm looking for this offense to not only get back to what they were doing so well through the first three weeks and Corral being a little more patient. But, Nick, it can't go without – we can't do a show without mentioning how well Jerry Neely and Snoop Connor have been through the first three week, or four weeks of the season. I mean, the run game cannot be completely abandoned. As good as Corral had been, I think he's still top ten in QBR uh, even after that abysmal week. Um, just, you know, goes to show how good he's been. 
I think they got to lean on Ely and lean on Connor a little bit and really keep Auburn honest. Um, cause you don't want to get yourself in a position where Auburn's just going to copy what Arkansas did and drop eight and force you to, to play a numbers game, which at that point, I mean, okay, take it, run the football. What didn't, didn't Levy and Kiffin say, maybe it was Kiffin that said it specifically, that he got impatient when, cause they were down and he said, we could have just ran the football, but he, but he blamed it. I feel like he blamed it on himself saying that they got impatient. Uh, and maybe I'm misremembering that totally, but I, I feel like I recall him saying that. I don't think that he's going to do that two weeks in a row. If given the opportunity no. to get five yards of carry, I think he'll do that this week. I think so too. I mean, you can't do the same thing you just did. And, and look, as bad as they were last week, they're still 26 in the country in offense. Um, I mean, that's nothing to shake a stick at. And I mean, hell, the defense is 79th per SP plus right now. So they took a big step last week against Arkansas. Now, Felipe Franks is not great. But again, Nick, you're at home playing against another decent quarterback. I mean, Bo Nix is not great. It's we, we said it. Kyle Trask is not walking through that door. Mac Jones is not walking through that door. They held Felipe Franks down last week. Rakeem Boyd and, and company didn't really do much on the ground, so the defense did their part. So this is going to be absolute gut check time for Kiffin and Levy and Matt Corral and the rest of the guys on offense. I mean, I think the O-line's going to be tested. You know Auburn's going to have a nice front seven. They, uh, I, I think that even though K.J. Britt's out for the year, they're still going to have, you know, Zacoby McClain – and uh, Owen Popo are still two really good linebackers that are going to challenge you. But this is a game where I feel like Kenny Yaboa is going to have to have a big one because Elijah Moore, as good as he is, can't do it all by himself over the middle. Yeah, and that was a lot of people. Someone said yesterday they were like, "Well, they you know they double teamed more and they bracketed Yaboa and they kind of took him out." I'm like, that's the problem we have right now is is that we just have two reliable receivers. But hey, if you need to have you know, Snoop Connor coming out of the backfield or, or probably more like Ely. I feel like he's more of a receiving back. If you need to have them coming out of the backfield, catching the ball, fine. Throw Another thing screens. too is, is – yeah, exactly. Exactly. I feel like that was a number of times we should have done that. And also uh, Drummond and, and, and guys like Drummond and Mingo, uh, excuse me, I think they each had two drops last weekend. Mm-hmm. That can't happen. When, you, when you've only got two receivers that are reliable – when they throw the ball your way, you've got to catch the football. So especially when it's for a first down, I mean, that's a drive. I think, uh, I think both of them might have been on third down. They were drive killers. I know one of them yeah. was. So that and that can't happen this week. You don't get a ton of opportunities. You got to make the most of it when it comes your way. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun one. And I do like you know a lot of people hate the eleven a.m. kicks. I kind of like getting it out of the way, so we're at least like. You can kind of see what your Saturday is going to be like, to where it's like, all right, if Ole Miss lays another egg, like we'll wash our hands clean of it and then enjoy the rest of Saturday. But letting the day drag on and on and on, and uh, and then seeing them lay an egg late at night is a little bit of a bummer. I'm excited because I think it's a free shot for Ole Miss. They're playing with house money at home against a team that is really just desperately trying to get something positive. So I think all the pressure is on Gus Malzahn and and Chad Morris. I mean, hell, if there's anything we know, Nick, if Chad Morris is putting his stamp on an offense, for whatever reason, it's not good. So uh, a big opportunity for DJ Durkin and Chris Partridge to prove that last week wasn't a fluke. I totally forgot Chad Morris is there. I, I feel way better about the skin than I did ten minutes ago. I just <laughs> that guy. I don't know how he how he did what he did. I and I saw the the quote from one of the Arkansas players after they lost to Auburn, and they said, you know, they weren't they were upset about the loss, but they were just happy to have have a coach who cared about them again. I mean, that talk about an indictment on a guy. I, I just think he. Is not a great offensive mind like you know you kind of thought he was. I think he kind of rode some coattails at SMU. And matter of fact, I think they've been better since he left. And mm-hmm. I mean, you look at what Arkansas is doing with. I mean, they're scrubs. I mean, Grant Morgan was a walk on until about seventy two hours ago. You look at what they're doing up there in year one of Sam Pittman, who I don't think we thought was going to be very good. 
and 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 he may not be. It just goes to show you what a bad coach can do to a to a to a team and to a program. And and Chad Morris is that bad coach. So, man, I'm I'm glad you reminded me of that. I feel good about this game. <laughs> that might be a lock for me. Oh, well, speaking of that, um, we had a a great week as a unit. I believe we went eight and four as a unit. And uh, Nick and myself had three and zero weeks. We are now close to fifty eight percent clip, so still in the black. So looking to capitalize on a big week and uh, get you some more locks. We'll head into uh, our legal gambling council week eight episode coming to you later this week. So get ready for that one. If you want to tail us, if you want to fade us, whatever you want to do, listen in. That's all I got, Nick. I'm excited um, for this week. Eleven a.m. It's gonna it's gonna be fun. I'm excited to see, you know, Matt Corral's a big time competitor, and I think he's he's gonna be itching to get back out there and to prove that last week was not the type of quarterback that he is. Yeah, and I think I think he's going to. I think he's gonna throw for north of 300 yards this week, and and I would say one or zero interceptions. I think he's back to normal this week. Yep. Well, that's going to do it for Podcast Rebellion here. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to the sponsors for making this possible. Ben will be back this week when we do our Legal Gambling Council. So will Austin. So for Nick over there, I'm Zach. This has been Podcast Rebellion. Thank you all for listening. We'll be out.